Coca-Cola Racing to the powerhouse team in the championship over the last decade or so, Triple Eight Race Engineering and the Red Bull Ampole Racing Team. So huge move for Will Brown. He will be replacing Shane Van Gisbergen up there at Triple Eight Race Engineering. And there's been so much said and written. So he had one more year to go on a contract with the Erebus team, the team that has brought him into the main championship over the last few years. He was a co-driver there previously. So unsurprisingly, it's an awkward situation where you're in a marriage for the next, what, five rounds with a guy who's leaving you at the end of the year. And as Barry Ryan, the Erebus team boss, has said, it's like when someone says, I'm going to go and live with the family down the road that we don't like. That's basically how he's described it. But I want to put another little lens on this. For Will Brown, Triple Eight have sniffed about him before, some years ago. This is a very logical, smart decision. It's an awkward one. It's a very difficult one where you've committed for another year and you have to go and have that chat. And he did it with Betty Klemenko, the team boss of Erebus. Um, there's history there of Erebus letting go drivers who are contracted. David Reynolds is one of them. Lee Holdsworth had a contract that was changed. Will Davison moved on as well. There's been a history at this team. This is not the only time this has happened. But for Brown, it's the rip the band-aid. It's awkward. It hurts. It's strange for a while. But there's every likelihood he's at Triple Eight for the next 5, 10, 12 years because generally, uh, generally they have drivers for a very long time. In five years' time, we're not even sitting here thinking about Erebus and Will Brown because he's going to – and Barry Ryan said about he, he's going to a better brand, not a better team. And I would really argue against that because right now Erebus has been the best team in the championship for eight rounds. Triple Eight's been the best team over the quantity of 15 years. And would we say that the Erebus brand is a better, you know, where does it fit in the whole scheme of things? I really, I understand he's jilted and he's hurt by one of his guys wanting to leave and go to the main rivals. But is that, just, is that the sort of talk that makes yourself feel better along the way? It feels like it on the outside. I think Barry's trying to convince himself, for Barry Ryan that is, um, for sure, but you know, I, I look at the situation with Rule Brown, and he's a championship contender in 2023. Never been in that position before, like we've detailed throughout the year, and you just spoke about it then. Erebus Motorsport, they have come out firing. They have been the benchmark team in 2023 with these new Gen 3 supercars. But for Will Brown, I look at it, he's probably sat back and said, if I break my contract with Erebus, I'm a championship contender this year, might be my one and only chance to win a championship a with this point. team. Mm. But I have an opportunity to move to the benchmark team for the last 15 years. So am I giving myself an opportunity to be in championship contention for five, six, seven, eight, nine years to come? So it's always definitely awkward from a driver's point of view when you make this decision. He's broken, asked to you know break his contract. Huge respect to Betty Klemenko, the team owner, for allowing him to do that. She would have been well within her rights to enforce his contract. But at the end of the day, when you have an employee that doesn't want to be there, you're not going to get the, the best out of them, are you? So um, I can see why it would have been an appealing move for Will Brown. You don't get too many opportunities to drive for the best team in the country. And when they come along, sometimes you have to do whatever it takes to get out of your current deal. And there was a story in recent weeks that, um, really got a bit of oxygen that Jamie Winkup would consider coming back to full-time supercars driving, not as the number one option for that team in their 
search to replace Shane Van Gisbergen, but as one of the potential options, and I can't help but feel, I felt the whole way through that there was an element where they were happy to let that story have oxygen because it covered off what was really going on behind the scenes and who they were really trying to grab. Yeah, I think uh, you know, there was probably no chance that Jamie was ever coming back. Um, and you know, you wouldn't want to, he wouldn't want to tarnish his reputation because you know the field is so competitive. It would have been very difficult for him to come back and step right into you know where he left essentially. So um, yeah, there's been a huge amount of uh, and you know the speculation around. I guess Shane Van Gisbergen's drive has been there all year. He's clearly, for whatever reason, hasn't been happy um, in his position so far this year within supercars. He's had that desire to, to head to the NAS, NASCAR scene overseas, which looks like that's going to happen for him. But it, that was really the big the big kingpin that needed to fall for everything else to sort of start to fall into place. And, um, you know, the Will Brown move has obviously opened up a spot at Erebus Motorsport and it was announced only a few days ago that Jack LeBrock will replace Will Brown in the number nine Coca-Cola Camaro for 2024. It's a great point you raise because Shane Van Gisberg, and I feel there have been two Shanes this year, Supercar Shane and NASCAR Shane. He's very been different, aren't they? Very different, very different. Looks the same guy, but is very, very different. Supercar Shane's been upset, angry, irritated all year. Again, we've heard comments yesterday that the the car that he's driving, they've kept him in the wildcard chassis that was the Craig Lanzane Goddard car. He drove it in Sydney, remember, when you and I were together on SEN, uh, what, three weeks ago. They've kept him in that car, and I think it's more a case of the mental side of things to try to say, well, we don't know what's wrong with this car. And again, he was bitterly upset yesterday with that car to the point where he stepped out of it um, during qualifying ironically enough, he's actually improved to second in the championship yesterday because of Will Brown being taken out of the race at the first corner. So I reckon he's 80 points down on Brody Kostecki, who looks like the four man here this weekend at the bend. He's qualified on pole for one of the races coming up this afternoon. But for Shane, he is going to America. He was the Chicago thing where he won that cup race on the, the street course, really opened his eyes to it all. He had a go at a truck on a short oval uh, last weekend before the NASCAR race on the road course. So it all looks like he's going to piece together kind of a experience building 2024 with a, a little bit of cup series in some of those road course races, some trucks, probably maybe some Xfinity, which is the, the feeder series. So he's going to go and get next year a very wide uh, experience of all of the elements of NASCAR super speedway and short tracks and road courses. And he's going to be in a position to, make a career over there like Marcus Ambrose did for a decade. But there's definitely – Shane, when you've seen him in NASCAR, happy to be there. It's all fine. Shane in supercars this year, right from round one, not happy to be here at all. No, absolutely not. So um, – and interestingly, to your point on that, you know, that chassis change and keeping Shane in um, that wildcard chassis that he, he drove at Sydney Motorsport Park last time out um, – Jeremy Moore, the technical director from Triple Eight Race Engineering, basically came out and said exactly that: we're keeping him, keeping him in that chassis, for, from you know a mental mm. purpose, mm. which um, is very unusual for a team to make a statement publicly about like that. Mm. Um, you know, generally when teams might think that they sort of keep that internally at least. So um, yeah, but you know the thing with Shane is, like you said, it seems like he's been very well. It doesn't seem like he's clearly been very unhappy but he still sits second in the championship, only 80 points, and he's 
he's definitely still in the title fight. You cannot write him off. And, yeah, coming into endurance season, two big races, Sandown and Bathurst, big haul of points on offer. Um, you know, the, the championship fight is still right on. And, you know, his teammate, Brock Feeney, only sits uh, 99 points behind um, Brock uh, Brody Kostecki. So, really, that top three still within 100 points of each other. We have two races today with a, a maximum available points of uh, 105 from each race available today. So the championship is wide open. The, the man that took a bit of a hit yesterday was actually Will Brown. We've been speaking about him for obviously um, big reasons with him moving to Triple um, Eight Race Engineering, but uh, he suffered a DNF in yesterday's race. So qualified poorly and was caught in uh, a turn one skirmish, turned around and sustained uh, enough damage, which meant that he didn't finish the race. So he now sits fourth in the championship after 20 races, 141 points back from his teammate. And he's qualified poorly today, 16th and 13th for the pair of races that will be uh, at the Bend Motorsport Park. Yesterday's Bendix big moment was undoubtedly that first corner collision for Bendix, the best known breaks. Championship. Brody Kostecki, he's up by 80 now over Shane Van Gisbergen. It's another 19 back to Brock Feeney, whose qualifying game has fallen away. He's been outside the top 10. I think it's three of the last five races this season. So he's got to step up. Will Brown now is another 42 behind. So he's 141 off the lead of Brody Kostecki. Chas Most at fifth. Best of the Fords. He's 250 away from the championship lead. But I wanted to cover off the Fords. They've been more competitive this weekend. Yesterday, Brody Kostecki was the sole Camaro at the front of the field at the end of that race. And you had Chaz Mostert there, Thomas Randall, who was um, doing a great job and got his first solo supercars podium finish. Cam Waters right behind him. Uh, A little bit of team management there whereby Tickford said, hold position. We don't want to threaten or have a potential podium go away here by our cars colliding has happened at Tickford Land over the journey before. Yeah. And Cam Waters was clearly clearly frustrated about that. But obviously for Tickford, it was about the bigger picture. Which I understand from both both sides of the, the table there. From a driver's point of view, Cam Waters, absolutely, you're irritated, you're agitated by that decision straight away when you hop out of the car. Because, you know, you're racing as hard as you can. You want to get the best result, generally for yourself, but also yeah. the team. Sure. Um, and when a podium's on the line, you want to give absolutely everything to it. But I think full credit has to go to Tickford for sort of stepping in there and showing really strong leadership, which, you know, they said, righto, boys, we're just going to hold position, keep keep that to the end of the race. When I think in the past, you could question whether that leadership has been there from that team. Mm. It's so a great I, point. It's I a think, great point. You know, from both sides, uh, really smart driving and and you know, execution from the team. Yeah, interesting one too, because Thomas Randall had delivered a really great performance. He qualified in the front row. Remember, this is the same track where he had that front row qualifying last year, stalled on the grid and got smashed into from behind by uh, Andre Heimgartner. So to get rid of those demons, to get on the front row again, to lead the first part of the race. Yeah, got a great start. Super stuff and brought it home for a podium. So yes, Cam Waters was coming on strong late in the race. But Randall deserved that podium. And, and I agree with you, too. I think that was a good call by Tickford to, to step in and just quell that for the last couple of laps and get it home and make sure that one of their guys was, was up on the podium. It's SEN Supercars today for barbecues galore. Now you're cooking. Now, today, the question is, for me, who's cooking? 
It's Brody Kostecki who's cooking. He has the chance here, James, after that win yesterday. He's on pole position for the, the final race of the, the two today. He's qualified pretty well for the first race that we'll have coming up in. Uh, it's going to start in just over an hour's time. He's starting on the front row of the grid, second for that one. With Van Gisbergen, there or thereabouts, fifth, sixth. Feeney outside the 10. Uh, Will Brown qualifying poorly. Here is a prime chance for Brody Kostecki to walk into Melbourne at the Sandown 500 in the middle of September in a month's time with a seriously good championship lead. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he is in the box seat. Um, like you say, he's qualified very well for this afternoon's races. Second for race 21, pole position. So you can't get any better than that for race 22. And his speed and consistency in the race yesterday was uh, was very, very strong and really won the race quite comfortably back to Chas Mostert. So um, the Camaro race pace is still very, very solid. And, you know, clearly Brody and Erebus are doing an outstanding job. So um, I don't care what anybody says at Barry Ryan can come out and say that there's no favouritism between the two drivers. Absolutely, it's human nature to lean towards the person that's staying at your team next year. So it, There's no doubt. And, of course, if Will Brown wins the championship and heads off to Triple Eight with the champions number one and it's on his Red Bull Camaro next year, uh, I've got no doubt. And I'm sure that they, they want to win the team's championship, but there's also that scenario where somewhere, sometime, a situation will arise that the sport will what's happening on the track will deliver, will put them in a position where they have to pick one, whether it's pit stop shuffling or it's sequencing. It's going to be an interesting one. And clearly, no matter what analysis anybody provides to it all, Barry's going to disagree with it because that's what he does. He was very grumpy in the press conference on Friday where he really challenged a lot of the media that they'd been writing rubbish for the last fortnight, which was quite funny given that How everything was correct yeah. on who was going where. Actually, it unfolded correctly. <laughs> but I get it too. And, you know, teams and um, in sport, you know, they don't want their news announced by somebody else. And, and that's kind of what happened in a couple of instances. And that's just the nature of sport and media uh, and life. I want to quickly just touch on to Jack LeBrock is the guy who will replace Will Brown at Erebus. He's got a relationship from there before he drove for them in GT racing. He was a co-driver in the endurance races back in 2015. Barry Ryan actually engineered him to his Formula Ford title in 2012 when he was driving uh, for, it was Minda Motorsport, I think, from memory yeah. off the top of my head there. So we're going back quite a way. Were you surprised by that decision to, to grab Jack LeBrock and, and put him in that seat? Um, I have to say, yeah, I was probably a little surprised and I was probably al almost a little surprised at um, how quickly the deal came together, that uh, you know they weren't sort of prepared to maybe wait a little longer, um, sound out a bit more of the driver market. You know, they're in a, a really good position, Erebus, where they've got quick cars, so they'd be in demand. Mm. Um, so, you know, but we've seen some great performances from Jack LeBrock this year, obviously highlighted by that uh, win um, on the Sunday afternoon at Darwin. He's qualified uh, very strong on some occasions as well. So currently sits eighth in the championship. Um, not really in the championship picture, 491 points off the lead, but, you know, that Matt Stone racing team um, is certainly... Um, no disrespect to them, not at the the level of mm. you know your Triple Eights and Erebus Motorsports or your, your Walkinshaw Andretti Uniteds or your, your Dick Johnson Racing. So um, they've certainly performed above expectations um, this year with the introduction of Gen Three. So it's certainly a fantastic opportunity for Jack LeBrock to prove himself against a you know a 
very, very capable driver and teammate in Brody Kostecki. He has been in uh, in that sort of environment before. He raced a couple of seasons at Tickford Racing, so he knows um, what big teams are like. And, um, yeah, I, I guess he has the, the luxury and the benefit um, for the remainder of the year, knowing what 2024 and beyond potentially looks like for him now, so he can just concentrate on trying to get the best out of himself and, and the Matt Stone Racing guys for the rest of the year. There's a whole pile of silly season stuff going on. So, as you mentioned, the Van Gisbergen domino really has set off the, the dominoes folding as seats are filled, seats open up, they're filled. It sounds like Richie Stanaway, the Kiwi, will get an opportunity at Grove Racing to replace David Reynolds, who was, in essence, offered, by the sound of it, a one-year contract, and he wasn't happy to just be offered one. He wanted a bit of security, which is understandable. Um, he's been outpaced this weekend by the young Kiwi, Matt Payne, who has qualified really strongly for both races. He finished seventh yesterday. But all the chat is David Reynolds to Team 18, Scott Pye looking for a gig, Walkinshaw and Dreddy United, Nick Perkat looks like he's out of a gig. Question I think is, he almost basically confirmed. I think he basically today. did today yeah. during qualifying in the broadcast. Uh, so who goes there? There's a bit of chat. Young Ryan Wood, the Kiwi, who's in Super Two. Fabian Coulthard's kind of ruled himself out by the sound of it. He's not interested in a a one year deal. There's so much going on at the moment in terms of who's going where and what and why and how. It's kind of taken away the focus from this year's championship, and we've been so um, buried in the parody situation between the Camaro and the Mustang and the on-track stuff. It's kind of like for the last three weeks, all the headlines, all the discussion has been about next year and who's going where with this silly season. That's all going to basically play out in the next month because not many teams are going to go into those endurance races without next year being uh, locked in and, and sorted. But um, if we focus now back to this weekend, today, the Ben Motorsport Park, it's the eighth round of the championship. There's uh, two races to come. It's the 600th championship round in the history of what was the Australian Touring Car Championship. They actually still compete for the ATCC Trophy. It's awarded by Motorsport Australia, but of course it's the uh, Repco Supercars Championship. And Brody Kostecki, winner yesterday, podium finishes for Chas Mostert and Thomas Randall. Cam Waters was fourth, Van Gisbergen fifth, Brock Feeney sixth, and the top 10 was rounded out by Matt Payne, James Courtney, Will Davison, and Andre Heimgartner. So plenty of Mustang drivers in the 10 yesterday. And they've had qualifying uh, earlier today. Thomas Randall has backed up his performance from yesterday to grab his first career pole. He's the 71st driver in 63 years of championship racing to score a pole position. And then Brody Kostecki demolished the field oh, by over you. four tenths of a second in the second session. He's got pole for our final race of the day. So uh, it's a real jumbled grid for these two races, though, which I reckon is fantastic. We're going to get some good racing today. Yeah, and the thing that um, is really jumped out at me is for both the races today, seven Mustangs and three Camaros in the top ten after qualifying. So, um, And we even saw it yesterday, uh, briefly touched on it before, six Mustangs and four Camaros in the top ten of race 20's results. So we've been speaking a lot about parody all year this is the it's been, first it's been time nice not to really talk about yeah, it, but, it so this is the first time really we've seen that i guess the bias towards the mustang being more prominent in the top 10 results especially after qualifying um and certainly in yesterday's race it was really only Brody, the lone sort of camaro up the front of the field he had three mustangs immediately behind him so um you know we know that the mustang 
had some parity adjustments uh, a couple of ra rounds ago at Townsville. So have the four teams just started to wrap their head around those adjustments to to the aerodynamics that they received? And is it starting to pay off for them? So um, two 100-kilometre races around here. The big thing with Taylor Bend as a circuit, 18 circuits, it is highly aero-dependent, uh, big, fast-flowing corners, but very little tyre degradation. So the tyre wear is very, very low. Um, so that's probably definitely helping the Mustangs this weekend so far because that has been the biggest issue for the Mustang in a, in a race distance. It hurts its rear tyres too much compared to the Camaro and fades over a race distance. So, um, yeah, interesting to see how today's races play out. A little weather update for Kubota cars shaping and building Australia, 19 degrees at Tail and Bend today. Slight chance of a light shower, according to the Bureau, but um, a track that is, well, on a, even on a warm day, windy. <laughs> it's the only word that springs to mind, so it can absolutely catch people out. And I want to talk to you about track conditions for Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side -side brand. You've driven around there. You've raced around there. Uh, this track, how does it change? Because it feels like it's... I mean, it's nearly five kilometres. It's one of the longest tracks on the championship calendar, and it takes up a big amount of um, square meterage. So how different can it be at one end of the track to the other end of the track? Yeah, very good question. Really what plays a big part with um, how your car behaviour is at Tail and Bend is the wind direction. And often teams are faced with one day it might be a tailwind down the front straight, and then they come back the next day and it's a headwind. And it completely changes the balance of your car and how it reacts through the corners and, and handles through the corners. And like I touched on before, some really big, fast corners. There's a big sort of complex of three corners around the back of the circuit, a big right-hander that just corner, basically goes on forever and ever and ever. So, uh, yeah, the wind direction has a big amount of um, influence over how the car feels to the drivers and, and, and how it handles. So... You've got to stay on top of that as a engineering group and as a driver throughout the weekend because if it changes, it can dramatically um, change how your car feels and, and performs. So, but I must say, uh, ripper effort from Thomas Randall to claim his first pole position, and probably more importantly, as a driver, when you have a sort of breakout result like he did yesterday, his first solo podium, qualified on the front row. Um, we highlighted what happened to him last year mm. in a similar situation off the front row, stalling. And that would have 100% been in the back of his mind. But to come back the next day and back it up, not just back it up with another second, gets his first pole position and then lines up third for race number 22 later on this afternoon. So his qualifying and one-lap speed has been absolutely um, on point this weekend. And clearly the Tickford cars um, across the board have been more competitive than we've seen for most of the year. So, yeah, really outstanding job for Randall. And it'll really, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he can get it off the line and, and hold position against Brody Kostecki later on this afternoon. Yesterday, he looked like he was up for the fight. And that's probably one of been the criticisms of Thomas over the time. Bit too nice on the track. But it's easier to put your arms out and your elbows out when your car's genuinely quick. And he was genuinely running at the front with the rest of them. He's backed it up today. He's qualified on the pole for race 21. That's the first of our races coming up this afternoon on SEN Supercars for Barbecues Galore. Now you're cooking. And he was cooking in qualifying. He was five hundredths faster than Brody Kostecki, but 
Matt Payne, the young Kiwi. He'll start third for our first race, which is coming up in uh, just under an hour's time here on SEN. Van Gisbergen from fourth. Anton Di Pasquale, fifth. And the top ten is rounded out by Chaz Mostert, Bryce Fullwood, David Reynolds, Will Davison, and Nick Perkat. Cam Waters outside the 10 at the bend for the first time in, I think it's 12 races in a row he's been inside the 10. So uh, some other notables outside, Brock Feeney 12th, Jack LeBrock 13th, James Courtney's 15th, Will Brown is starting P16, and a miserable weekend for Mark Winterbottom. He's 24th in each of the races today. He's really struggled. They've just got no speed in that DeWalt Camaro. They've really, really been able to. he came out of 23rd yesterday. He was 23rd yesterday. He's 24th for the first race uh, this afternoon, and he's 24th for the last race this afternoon. So a really tough weekend so far for the 2015 Supercars champion. But with two races ahead, we've got very jumbled grids. The second race, the, the one that rounds out the day, Waters on the front row with Kostecki, Randall and Perkat on the second row of the grid. That's Perkat's best qualifying this, of the season. Payne Di Pasquale. So there are five Mustangs in the top six on the grid for the last race this afternoon. So... Ford fans here on SCN get excited. They're in the mix today at the bend. Van Gisbergen, Davison, Courtney and Fullwood round out the 10. Brock Feeney 11th, Will Brown 13th. That's for race 22 of the championship, which is coming up a bit later uh, in the afternoon. But so far, that that I just wanted to quickly talk about Kostecki. 149.48 was the time to get pole in the second of the qualifying sessions that were earlier on in the day. For me, that is going to stay... Uh, our Makita hot lap for Makita XGT, experienced professional cordless power without limits. For me, 0.42 of a second in front of Cam Waters at the end of 4.9 kilometres of racetrack. That's the biggest margin we've ever seen at the bend in supercars. That was stunning. Yeah, you just don't see that in general with supercars, do you? Normally we're talking about 0.4 of a second separating maybe the top 15 cars, let alone first to second. So Brody Kostecki... Um, clearly has a good car underneath him, but clearly delivered an absolutely mega lap time to produce pole position as well. So, uh, yeah, great job by him. So we've got two races today on SEN Supercars. Race 21 of the championships coming up in just under an hour's time and then race 22 at 4.20 uh, Eastern Standard Time, Australian time, depending on where you're listening. Jimmy, we've got two races. We've got two opportunities for drama and we've got two opportunities for potentially... Some new faces winning some races in the Supercars Championship. Can't wait for it to all unfold when the cars roll out at the Ben Motorsport Park this afternoon. Aaron James, outstanding as always. Thank you for that. Yeah, race 21, race 22. You'll hear that across the SEN network. As the boys say, download the app. You can listen anywhere at any time. We've got live rugby league going on at the moment. NRLW, I was looking at in the background thinking, wow, lots of random South Skies and girls in this crowd uh, for the Broncos up against the Knights in the NRLW. Of course, that big game, we'll have all the latest for that coming up very shortly as well, the NRLW game. But right now, Jesse Southwell has gone bang, bang off the right foot and has nearly gone straight through. They're struggling at the moment, the Newcastle side. They're down 10-4 after leading 4-0 an early try to uh, Jasmine Strange. And now we've got Georgia Roach, the English international trying to weave her way through. 11 and a half minutes remaining in this first half. 10-4, the Broncos are leading. We might stay with it as that will probably be a question mark as to whether Caitlin Johnston had a player 
impeded as she went across for a try. I tell you what, this is going to take a bit of time, Tommy. We might get ourselves to a break. Remember, it's SEN Supercars, all thanks to Barbecues Galore. Barbecues Galore, now you are cooking. We'll come back and talk all the action of round 25, all the reaction to the games last night, and a look ahead to what's coming up today as well. If you want to be a part of the program, we would love for that to be the case. one 300 one The text line 0457-736-736. Tommy, do we have a prize to the best contribution via the text line? or the? We'll get a prize, Jimmy. Don't worry. Look at that. This is a can-do attitude from Tommy Costigan. Were you, uh, are you hungover? You were okay? No, I'm, I'm sprightly, Jimmy. I'm there we go. Oh, I thought as much. All right. 0457-736-736. We'll get a prize for you. one 1170 We'll break and then we'll back with more. Join the conversation. Call 1300 01 1170 or send us a text on 0457 736 736. This is SEN Supercars.